He's a two-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier. He's an elite series champion. And in just a couple of days, he will leave the dock at his second Bassmaster Classic as the progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year leader. From Raceland, Louisiana, Tyler Rivet joins me on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Thank you for joining us this week. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day to each and every one of you. Happy hump day to all the humpers that tune in here week after week. And I thank you for that. But this is a very, very special week. This isn't just any week. This is... Bassmaster Classic Week. So, so much excitement and hoopla and people traveling from all around the world to be there. And uh, to be totally honest, moment of totally honest, total honesty to you guys, I'm not really here right now. I'm actually, uh, God willing, I'm getting all dotted up and getting ready to head to the Night of Champions, um, which is a cool event. It's kind of the formal kickoff of the Bassmaster Classic. And it's always strange because... You don't recognize half the anglers because, you know, real mainstream celebrities, they'll put hats and glasses on and slink around the airport and nobody will know who they are. You do the opposite if you're a pro angler. You just take your hat and glasses off and nobody has a clue who you are. So um, we will see a lot of that and we'll see them all dudded up with their spouses. And it's, it's a fun event. We get to hear Brandon Polnick's speech as the reigning angler of the year. We get to honor all the champions from all the different levels of bass. Um, so it's a fun night, a fun kickoff night. And if we had better technology, I would have done this live from there or something. But we don't. But at least I have a commitment to you guys. And my commitment is that we'll have a show here all the time for you guys to see every single Wednesday. And we do. That's why we pre-recorded this. But um, speaking of the Bassmaster Classics, I've got a lot of DMs from a lot of you guys that are going to be there. If you're going to be there, I would love to meet you. Um, it is going to be a gong show, this Bassmaster Classic. The amount of people traveling from Australia and Canada and all over that I keep hearing from, it's nuts. Um, but my schedule is also nuts at the Classic. And people are like, well, where where will you be hanging out? And the truth is, I don't really hang out anywhere. I'm there for a little while at one spot, and then pew, there at another spot, and pew, gone. So every single day, I'll be at takeoff. That's probably the easiest spot to track me down if you'd like to say hello and uh, love to shake your hand. Love to thank you for tuning into our show and, and thank you for being a Bassmaster fan. So that's at Volunteer Landing every single morning. I'll be down there before it's daylight. And um, then in the afternoon evenings, I'm obviously at the bowling Thompson Bowling Arena um, for weigh-in. So you can see me there. It's a little harder for me to leave the stage and come see you, but I will be there. And then throughout the day, I'm often at the expo for Bass Live and for spend some time in some sponsor booths and stuff like that. So you can guarantee just top of my head. So on day one, on Friday, I believe I'll be in the expo from 11 till 1.30, and I'll be at the Bass Live booth. So swing by there and say hello. On Saturday, I'll be in the Bass Live booth from 11.30 to 12.30. 
And then on the final day, I'll be in the Bass Live booth from 10 to 11. So those are the times I'm guaranteed to be in there. Um, I'm also going to be in the Phoenix booth some. I'm going to be in the Berkeley booth some. I'm going to be in a bunch of different booths some um, throughout the day when I can get there. But I don't have a set schedule because literally, you know, something can happen and Bass Live could be like, we need you to go here right away. And you got to go. Um, or you got to get over to the arena. We got a sound issue we got to deal with you got to go. So I am all over the place, but I would love to meet you guys. So make sure if you see me, just holler at me, just yell at me and I will try and make my way to you. Um, it is great meeting all of you. And, um, this week's going to be an exciting week. It, um, is setting up to be a great Bassmaster classic. It is truly a celebration of the sport. And, um, I think we're going to have monster crowds, monster, monster crowds. I mean, the amount of people traveling to this class is kind of the first classic that everything's open to travel. So uh, I, I think this is, uh, this is going to be an old school, crazy classic. And the cool thing about Knoxville is everything's together. You guys have heard that, I'm sure. You know, everything's within five minutes of each other. So there's no big travel to something once you get to Knoxville. So I hope to see you in Knoxville. And a guy that I will see in Knoxville that's going to have a lot of hype around him. There's some hyped-up anglers going into this classic, but there may not be more hype around anyone than this angler. He is a two-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier, but when he kicks off his second Bassmaster Classic in just a few days, he will be going out as our progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year leader. What a season he has had so far. Started it off with a win in Okeechobee, backed it up with a third-place finish in Seminole. He is your progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year leader. He is an Elite Series champion. He is this week's guest. So let's go all the way to Raceland, Louisiana, and hook up with the one and only Tyler Rivette. <coughs> Tyler Rivette. Tyler Rivette. You're an elite series champion. How does that feel? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, dude, it's crazy. Like, I still don't think it really fully sank in yet, you know? It's it's uh, just back-to-back -back like that, just nonstop doing this and that. And then I think it actually hit me. When it really hit me was watching a video the other day of the the recap of everything, the the marathon perform, perform that was that was pretty chilling right there. It gave me some chills and stuff. So I never got to see it from the outside. No, nobody does, you know. So, so it's cool to watch it to see what everybody else had to look at and watch the whole time. So again, yeah, for sure. I mean, I said that to you several times during that week, but I really feel like wow, like to watch what you've kind of got the emotional roller coaster. You know, the beginning of the season is always kind of nerve-wracking for everyone i think you know you want to get off to a good start well oh, yeah. you can't get off to a better start than you have but if i'd have said to you a month ago that you're going to be fishing the Bassmaster classic and you're going to go into that event an elite series champion leading progressive Bassmaster angler of the year would you have believed that God, tell you to get off whatever you're on <laughs> or give me some just so I could feel that for a little bit. Um, no, I wasn't expecting it. We all expect it, you know, like we want it to happen, of course, but uh, it's, yeah, just one of those deals, you know, like I tell everybody else, we just go out there to get the checks, like cut checks and survive and stay on the Elite Series and whatever happened from there, we make the best of it. Well, you definitely made the best of everything so far this year. Um, your worst 
finishes a third place finish. But before we talk about the win, how much of that win do you think affected the next event? Like to go and back it up the way you did. Number one has to be amazing mentally, everything to oh, yeah. the person. But number two, like was that momentum in action? I, I think so because I honestly I couldn't. It was no focusing for the most part in that tournament. It was just just stuff happening. You just know, like phone call after phone call, just text, 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 text. And uh, man, I was just not there mentally. I feel like, and I mean, I was still fishing. I, I found a few fish, but I was just. But I'm like, man, I just hope something works out because it's it was a rough practice just not being able to sit there and visualize everything and focus how I needed to. And uh, I mean, it worked out. You know, I went into the tournament saying, hey, I just came off a win. You know, let's just let's go have some fun and do what I like to do is flip, punch, frog. So and shallow water fish. And we were able to make do with that. So how shocking is it more shocking to you that you won on Okeechobee or more shocking than how you won? Oh, it's definitely more shocking than that. And the crazy part is, man, like I'm now that I'm everything's over and I've been watching everything, I just seen where Cobb was, and Cobb was literally in the same little circle of my second spot was that I never made it to. And uh so that's pretty wow. cool. Like to see, like, I was like, oh, wow, I know that spot. And I could see the little bush right there and where the bank was. I'm like, holy crap, that's my little second little waypoint where I was going to head to when I left up there up the river. So it's just cool to see, like, that it might have worked out in different ways, you know, who knows. But uh, it, yeah, the, the win like that, that was uh, not expected for sure. But it, it, I think it opened up a lot of eyes. So when I was talking to you and Brock and Hank, I think before the meeting, before tournament even started, you were telling me about catching Sacole right uh, up there in the river. For like, did at that moment when you guys were telling me that story, did you did you really think that you were going to like? When was the decision made that this is where I'm fishing in the tournament? I, I once I found it, I was obviously that was where my biggest fish from practice came from. So I was like, I have to go there, you know. And it's right here by the launch. So I might as well hit it first just to, just to see, you know, like if I get lucky and catch one or two big ones, you know, and go out in the lake and catch some twos and three pounders if I'm lucky. And, uh, yeah, it went out. I went out there the first day, and it was just, you know, it was slow at first. I had two for about three pounds and went for a little while, and I was about to pick up the trolley motor and leave. I was about to head out, and I cast it one more time, looked on the live scope, caught a six-pounder. Threw it in a box. Literally, next cast throughout there, caught one almost five. And I, at that time, I had the weight that I wanted to make for to make the cut about 14, 15 a day, maybe 15 a day at the on the safe side. So four fish. So I was like, well, damn, I'm gonna just stay in the damn river all day and hope for the best. And <laughs> that worked out. So I never saw that lake all tournament. Wow. All tournament, because of 12 gallons in four days. That's how much you burned? 12? 12, 12 gallons in four days. And how much did you burn through pre-fish? Oh, uh, man, that's because I found that the first day. And oh, okay. you, know, you can't you can't base that on anything. So, but uh I'd say I'd say about 40, 40 gallons, 50 gallons, maybe yeah. total. Because I went way south one day and I just rode I rode the rim ditch all the way just to see what it was like and 
Uh, honestly, that was my game plan whenever we came pre-fishing. Uh, I went down south in this little pond. And sure enough, on that uh, MLF one, they had one of the guys in that pond. Brock, I was told Brock, I had like a nine, nine and a half in there for pre-fishing when I were in there. And I caught a few other good ones, and I was live scoping in there. It was just a deep hole in there. And uh, I was like, nobody's – he's like, nobody's going to go in there. Nobody's ever caught fish in there. And sure enough, that tournament before we get there, there's somebody on camera. Like, you can see exactly where it's at. I'm like, well, thought done. And I went in there for practice, and luckily I didn't catch a fish in there. So I, was, I scratched all that off. I said, I'm not running way down there. It's too far. And uh, that was my only spot down there. So I said, let's just stay up on the North Shore and stay in the river and see what happens. And – our, our backup plan was Taylor's, Taylor's uh, Creek. Uh, we went in there for pre-fishing, and we were able to catch them uh, 18 to 20 pounds pretty easy. And uh, that it, it was same conditions. Windy, cold front came through, and the lake was hard to fish. We went in there, and it was just flip after flip. You could catch them. So I always thought I always wanted to – I was wanting to go in there, and we just never got to. Luckily, we did good enough. We didn't have to go in there. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it worked out pretty good. <laughs> I wasn't very good in French class, but, but what I, is that, is that bag of milk? Is that what that means? Yeah. It's like sack of milk. Yeah. Sack Cause, of the milk. Meat, Cause the meat's so white. It's weird that I never, until you actually, like I've heard Cajuns call them sack all the time. And I never actually stopped to think of like what it meant, it but sense, yeah. um, it makes sense. Yeah. Just the white, white meat. That's what I did. So you traded those bags in for a bunch of bags. Right. <laughs> the money bags <laughs> how are you going to avoid the pattern of just going and fishing where you catch crappie in brief <laughs> to win tournaments? honestly if i'd have listened to it again at the seminole i, I might have did a little better because where i caught those socolay at at seminole the first day of practice was literally 300 yards away from where joey won at wow yeah <laughs> Oh, and I just, I, it was just that point where I'm like, you know what? I don't even, I really just, I'm tired of looking at the screen. And if I'm on camera, I want to do something. I want to show people that I could catch them shallow too. And I, I just want to have, you know, it's that it might've been different if I didn't win the last one, maybe I might've stayed out there doing it, but it, it was just a different mindset, I guess, going into it, just relaxed. And I just want to go have fun and catch them. And I was lucky enough to stumble on them again how much of it is luck and how much of it is you got to say luck because you're a professional angler and you can't take any credit for things. If you just say you found them yourself, you'll, yeah. it's it's just so weird. It's a weird thing yeah. about our sport. Like you never, ever hear a quarterback being like, I was just lucky that the receivers <laughs> caught all the balls. I got today. lucky and threw it up there and he caught it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we just have to say it because then you just got to be cocky in a way, you know? So, and like, we don't like that. And, it's a humbling sport, so you can't say you're good at it because the one to I could go to the next tournament and bomb. So I'm not saying like I'm the best, and just because I'm leading the OI. I mean, I obviously know there's a million great fishermen out there. It's just how everything's happening right now. You just got to go with it, and I'm blessed that it's happening. But same time, you got to be humble. You know, it just got to have fun too. Why do we hear anglers say that all the time? You know, because from the outside, you think, okay, well, you got to have fun with your fishing the elite series. That's got to be fun. But mm -hmm. I understand from seeing it, it is fun. The act of fishing is fun, but but the gamble, the, the lifestyle that you guys are living, 
isn't fun at times. Oh, no. Well, I just like I was, I was talking to my buddy in the parking lot the other day at Walmart. Uh, we were out there, and he was just like, yeah, man, you're living a dream. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man, like doing it. And he's like, man, it's seven to not this uh, seven to five job. You know, it's, it just sucks. And I was like, yeah, well, at the same time, you get a paycheck every week, and we don't. That's the difference. That's the scary part, and that's what sucks about the scary part about the pro fishing because you never know when your next check's going to come. You have to work for it visually and like actually catch the fish if you want to get paid. If yeah. not, <laughs> you're taking out your money out your bank to pay the next entry fees. So that's the scary part about this sport. I feel like your career though has had a you've when it comes to just being consistent, you've been incredibly consistent. Like I've been kind of saying it for several years now. Like if you want to just pick a random dude on any random body of water that's going to get you points in fantasy fishing. You're the dude. Um, how do you go from that to what we've seen so far this year? Um, I'm just every year, every day, you learn more and more stuff about everything. And one of that one thing is just a live scope. <laughs> I've learned a lot with live scope and I didn't really tell a lot of people last year. And only percent of my fish last year came off the whole season and just like well, I lost I'd say, you there. What did you say? What percent came? About eighty percent of my fish last year came off a of live scope. Wow! And it, I would say eighty percent of the key fish for sure. Yeah. Like for instance, that Pickwick, that eight pounder I caught, I saw that one on live scope, and there was four with it that size that I couldn't get the bite after I caught that one there. So I could have had like forty pounds on this one tree. <laughs> And it, I would have never looked at it if it wasn't live scope. Live scope, I'd have threw once at it. I mean, without live scope, I'd have threw once at it, nothing, nothing, maybe once or twice, and they wouldn't have bit, kept going. But I saw the fish sitting there, and it's just, it makes you fish differently. When did that live scope transition happen for you? Like, what, what, I, what was the eye opener? Um, I ordered live scope. Uh, I had a little nine inch with the live scope at uh, St. Clair. The last time we were at St. Clair, I think in yeah. 21. Yeah. And um, that's the first time I used it. I ordered it the night before the tournament. I got it. <laughs> I put it on the boat, everything. Still didn't know what the hell I was doing. But everybody was, you know, live scope this. You got to do it. You got to use it. They're everywhere. And uh, I used it a little bit, just fishing with Brock pre-fishing, just seeing it on the screen. So I, I was kind of familiar with what I needed to look at. And I put it on there, but it, it kicked me in the butt that tournament because I was just staring at it and I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I was actually catching them for practice without it. So I feel like if I just turned it off and kept doing what I was doing, I probably would have did better. But it, it from that point on, I was kind of mad at it. And I'm like, you know what? I got to figure this thing out. And the main reason I bought it was for, to catch chocolate at the house with it because I, I heard you could catch them with it. And I, so I turned it on, and that's the main reason I know how to catch one live scope nowadays is that I've learned from sockele fishing. It's the same deal you're doing with bass fishing, just on a smaller scale. Wow. And it, it's, the crappie world embraced it quicker than the bass world. I mean, yeah. I think we yeah. often in the bass world like to act like we're cutting edge, but the, the crappie world, I mean, they, they've been all about it for the longest period of time. Why do you think that? Is that just because of suspended fish or why does the crappie, why are crappie anglers ahead in this point? I think just like you said, they just suspend more. 
they kind of get into groups and they'll just sit like for instance at our house they'll just sit in the middle of the canal like you'll never throw in the middle just a, a mile long canal and they're just in one little five foot area just in the middle of nothing just no structure no anything they're just out there and i think that's why the soccer leg guys and crappie guys do better with it is because they the crappie just suspend everywhere and just on the main creek channels and the timber just all on those uh, deeper lakes it's easier to find them or just on the brush piles. You can see every fish on that brush pile with that instead of just a regular 2D sonar where it's just bobs everywhere. And you just, you just, it's the latest. It's crazy looking at it nowadays that a 2D from live scope, how slow the 2D is compared to actual live scope. Yeah. <laughs> it, what do you think when you hear people say that it, it's a bad thing? Well, I mean, I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> They could think what they they could think what they want, you know. Like you got all those groups of guys that hate it and stuff. And but I mean, it is what it, it's here to stay. You know, it's it's one of those deals, the learning curves where you got to learn it or else you're gonna get left behind. And yeah. uh, and I'm not saying that you can still catch a fish shallow. You know, it's the fish are still there shallow. It's just a new way of catching them. It's just a new breed of fish in a way because. It's the fish that you weren't able to catch that you didn't know were just sitting out there on the middle of the point, just suspended. So it's just different fish that are getting caught now. That's all it is. What is the biggest thing it's taught you? Um, that even with that live scope that you still can't catch every fish. It's similar. Yeah, it's just like anything else, just before live scope. Like, you know, they're there, but you still can't catch them. And that's the scary part. It's like, you got to know when to leave them. And that was that same thing at Okeechobee. I could see them sitting there, but you could tell when they wanted to be active and when they didn't. And when they were chasing the bait a little more or when they, they were glowing up, kind of when they glow, you know, they that means they're kind of turning. So they were kind of interested. But if they were just sitting there and just passing right by them, it was just you, you, need a, you need to learn when to go and not just keep throwing at those dots because you see them there. And that's the main thing is just you got to know when to go. Did you receive any, with all the negative that floats around about LiveScope, when you win on it, do you get any of that negative? Oh, yeah. It's like just on faith, like through the tournament day, uh, just uh, like each night I'd get messages like, man, somebody needs to humble you. You're not humble enough. This and that. I'm like, who the hell are you? Like some old grumpy guy. Like, and just watching all the comments, like live scopes, not fun watching this and that. And I'm just like, one, like me, I don't say anything. Cause well, one, we can't. And then I'm just like, well, just, I, I could care less what you think. You know, you just want out the bunch. Who cares? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just 90% of those guys just don't even use live scope and they just don't want to learn it. So that's the main people, you know, but the people that do have live scope and, and uh, know how to use it and want to learn it. It's just, you need to, you know, it's, it just helps you so much figuring out fish and you can figure out which stage the fish are in at that time. So that's, yeah. it's, it's smart to use it for sure. It's smart because you figure out a lot and you can always get that bonus fish with it. Like just having it on and just you look to the right in the middle of nowhere. There's a two pound spot just sitting out there and you got four fish. You throw a jerk bait or something on top of it and you catch it. There's your limit right there. Just, it could save you that quick. Yeah. It, and it doesn't take much. That's why I tell people like people are, is this affecting that? It doesn't take much to affect like literally your event. You caught every fish doing it, but mm -hmm. I mean, you add one fish in event by the end of the year, 
your season is entirely different. L- literally by adding one extra bite in um, event. That's that could be two or three or ten points extra you get in an event. And I mean that adds up. That's 70 extra points if you get 10 extra points in an event, you know, yeah. or for the rest of the season, seven more uh, seven more. So if you look at it that way, that's how we got to survive. You got to get the points. You got to get every point you could get on the Elite Series. And uh, I think it helps with that part for sure. Oh, big time. I mean, and to hear Clun last week when he talked about it, he said, why would you ever want to like it? And it sounds so much nicer when it comes out of Clun's mouth than like yeah. anybody. But he's like, why would you ever want to stop learning about fish? It's a great tool that allows us to learn and it's true like the amount of times that we think that fish are locked onto a weed line or they're locked like that's what it's taught me like they are not where you just because you grew up and uh, thought that they were always going to be here yeah. they, they're not always there it's literally two well, kicks of a tail and they move around a lot it's just like Klein said last uh for you last episode that He's just like 80% of the time you're wrong or 70% of the time you're wrong. And just that 30%, you're actually right when you realize what's actually happening below the water. And yeah. that's 100% true. When you're looking at the live scope, you can see everything that's actually happening. Juan also said he learned from you. What did that feel like? <laughs> I, I, that was pretty cool when I heard that part. I was like, man, I don't know what he learned from me. I'm just old Tyler Revet, you know? <laughs> just a well southern guy from south louisiana 28 don't know what he much learned from him but it was pretty cool fishing next to him that day at uh seminole yeah. when he came in the pocket and i was just sitting there just like i mean it was just fish after fish and he was just sitting there with his spinnerbait just going down the bank just going and he finally kind of slowed down and picked up the worm and caught like his biggest fish right next to me and then he put his i think he had like 18 pounds that day just doing that so uh, it's always cool, like watching them. Just when Rick Clun pulls in next to you, start fishing. It's just awesome. I mean, it's same deal. Same deal with like Clay Dyer. Like when yeah. it opens and stuff. Like when he comes fish next to, I just sit there and watch him. It's just amazing just to watch him fish. And uh, it's it it you learn so much from it, and it's, it humbles you for sure. It's just like wow, that's awesome. Right, uh, it it really does. Those are two amazing men, and. Um... Definitely humbling when you spend time with, with either of them. How, when did this dream start for you? Like, what, when did when did you officially say, hey, man, I, I want to be a Bassmaster Elite Series Pro? How old were you? What what was the moment? Oh, man. I, I actually, I think I just thought of the exact moment, too. Was I was sitting on a sofa at my dad's house, and we were, uh, it, it was Bassmaster was on TV, and then they were saying something about the open at Shreveport, some open at the Shreveport. I'm like, oh wow, I'm like 15 or 16 at the time. And I'm like, oh, I want to get in it. I want to go join it. So it was like starting like two days later. And I'm like, oh, we're trying to figure out how to get in it, this and that. I'm like, oh, 1800 bucks or something like that, or 15. So I forgot what it was. And I was like, oh wow, I don't know if I could do all that. And just looking, and I'm like, all right, well, that was obviously a dumb decision to try to get in that but at that point i'm like okay like i want to start doing this and then at that point i was about to graduate high school and they didn't have the high school at that time and uh the year i graduated they started with high school so i was like all right well we're gonna do the college because college was starting to pick up that point and that's when i started the nichols bass team down there at nickel state and uh from that out it was just like homework was second and fishing was first uh, i was 
going everywhere, fishing and doing homework when I got off the water and just, or even driving up there, we were just doing our homework, doing what we needed to do to get it done. And we were at every tournament we could be at. And that's how I learned for sure. Just fishing everywhere you could go. Is that bass club still running and still strong? It's, I think it's, it's still running. Uh, they have a few members now. It was slow for a couple of years after I graduated, just kind of fell off and, uh, there was maybe one or two, but now they got, I think, like three three or four teams that actually travel and fish. So it's it's picking back up, too. And I, I know the kids personally, and they're, and they're some good sticks. You know, they, they want to learn a lot. What is your take being through that program? And, and I'm assuming in a different way, meaning that you started the club and everything. When you look at what, like, schools like Bethel have in place and – the coaching systems and everything it's pretty inc- i mean the, the speed that it's coming at is is mind-boggling but as somebody who competed on the collegiate in the collegiate ranks what do you think it is that allows you guys to be better quicker on the elite series than what we've seen it, in the past i mean it's just like any other sport it's just like playing in college and you want to go pro or if you want to get into minor leagues like you got to go to the minors first to get you know it's just it's it's just like anything, any other sport. You need to practice. You can't just get up, say, all right, I'm going to go. And, I mean, they got the guys that, you know, don't go to college and they just like a walk-on. Like, they can get on there and still do just as good. There's a thousands. And, I mean, you know that, too. There's thousands of guys out there that could be on the Elite Series if they wanted to, if they tried, you know. Yeah. There's that many good fishermen out there. It's just the ones that really want it, like they put in the work, you know, you went to college and the main good thing about college is you got a backup degree, even if the fishing career don't work. And I was able to get two degrees while fishing, you know, yeah. trying to make it pro fishing. So uh, it worked out for me that I graduated in 18 and it's the same year I qualified for the elite series for the following season. So um, it worked out. I just hope it works out like that with every kid. And even right when I got on the Elite Series, I told everybody that one day the Elite Series is going to be straight college alumni just because it's that many good guys. Like in that age, that uh, couple of years I was in there, they had some sticks in college, like really good guys. And they all kind of just went their ways. And some of them are on the Elite Series. It's just uh, just to think like how many good anglers are actually out there. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's fueling a whole industry. It's not just elite series pros. I mean, you oh, look yeah. at all the people who went through the college program and now work for Bass, or now work for a company that works with Bass. You know, oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's the the amount of people from collegiate fishing that are working in the fishing industry. It, it it's unbelievable. And um, I mean, I've said it many times before. I remember when Jeremy Kinnis said we're going to have a collegiate angler qualify for the classic i remember thinking that is the worst idea possible jerry how could you think of such an like you know what i mean because for me i'm like everything needs to funnel to the elites these guys have hostage their whole life laid it all on the line and i always feel that way but i couldn't have been more wrong in my assumption just because if you look what's happened with college fishing from the day that decision got made yeah um it has skyrocketed um into great things um you made the college championship every year didn't you for bass like you were there every single year all five years all five it's a lot more college stuff than i accomplished yeah i had to to add an extra year just for that you know not for the graduation (laughs) or anything just just for the fishing (laughs) 
there's a lot of people doing that. Um, so w- when you left college, did you like, was it still full steam ahead? I need to make the elites or, or was it like, I'm hoping to make the elites, but if I don't, I got a job. That's basically how it was that if I didn't make it that year, maybe I might've tried one more year after college, but, and just get it mainly just try to get in a job offshore or getting a plant somewhere down here and just work how everybody else was down here. Just, that's just South Louisiana. You know, we, we get, we go offshore, we get in the plants. That's, that's how it is in the oil field. So that's, that was the plan. And that still is, you know, even if something would go wrong and just I get off the elite series, I always got just the degrees and, just the family and everywhere. So I could try to get in something, but that's not a plan. You know, I don't plan on ever trying to leave because uh, I, don't, I don't ever want to sit behind a desk after seeing everything we see. We, yeah. we get the best views out there. That's true. That's true. I've said for a long time, the office with the best views has no windows because exactly. you're out in it. And uh, so your situation, you come to Fish Elite's, when did the Brock and uh, Hank friendship start? Was that early on, or when, when did you three get together and start room? I think that was uh, me and Brock. It was like a, our second year or so. And uh, uh, that's what, yeah, it was about the first and second year, I'd say. And that it was kind of a, we had a big group. It was me, Brock, Brad, uh, Caleb, and Lee. And we were all out there, and it was just, all of us. And then we kind of just broke away. We just like, they, it was two different deals. Like Brock's and I were focused a lot. And then just like Caleb and Lee, you know, they, it's, I mean, I like to drink <laughs> and they, they like to drink, you know, it, it, it was fun. But um, so we just kind of split up and it was me and Brock and then Brad came with us. And then, and uh, actually a Hank came too. It just, just wanted, uh, it was at a uh, Palaka the first, uh, the second year or so when we had those three off days because of the wind. Yeah. Uh, me and Hank just went fishing on the off day at uh, Rodman. We're like, hey, let's just go fishing. You know, he, I, you know, it's Hank Cherry. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I don't ever talk to him. Like, I didn't know, I didn't think he would ever want to like talk to me. I'm just young Tyler Reed. <laughs> and uh, we jumped in a boat. He picked up his jerk bait and I picked up the punch rod and we just showed each other everything. And I showed him everything about punching that I knew. And, he turned around and just catch him on a jerk bait in the middle of the ditch and Rodman. And uh, so just from that point on, we're like, all right, we're staying here. And all right. He just started staying with us, him and Kelly. And it was me, Brock, Kelly, and uh, Hank. And it was that for a while. And then, uh, you know, Kelly, everything happened with Kelly, which I mean, it still sucks, but uh, I think he can make it back if he wanted to, but yeah, uh, I mean, it was a fun group and now we got, that's us four with Brad in there too. And I mean, I mean, it's just a good group of guys. We tell each other everything and that's what you need in the group. You know, you can't succeed on your own. You need everybody's help and you got to help everybody as well. And that's the main deal with the elite series. You got to have a group of guys that you could trust. And I wish I could help everybody. I mean, no, it's not like that. You know, you gotta, you, you have to want, you have to do better than somebody at least, you know, like you have to do good and win. So, yeah. You got to start at home, help starts at home. And then, you know, and then some, yeah. But I I think that's also something that like has changed rapidly. And it could be because there's a lot of younger anglers on the elite series or what it is, but like 
10 years ago, there wasn't many, like now it's almost the exception that someone says, yeah, don't work with anyone. Like, it's almost like everybody is working with somebody. Yeah. Um, how closely do you guys work? Like, do, do you know everything that they're fishing when they, when it's going into an event, do they know everything or is it just like pointing in the right direction? Uh, we'll know for the most part, just like some areas. Cause sometimes uh, we'll be in the same area, just trying to break it down quicker. And uh, that helps out too. be like, oh, I got two bites here. I got two bites here. And you're like, okay, well, they're on the secondary little point. So we'll start running that stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll have like our areas, you know, like this is where I'm fishing, this is where he's fishing. And it's like, if you need one, come run by, you know, just we'll figure out something. And so, I mean, I'm, I would never like push somebody away <laughs> from that for sure. How much did they know about your spot on Okeechobee? I showed them. I I even I called them. I was like, dude, I just Brock was actually running past. He was way up the Kissimmee. It was that it was the first day of practice. It was windy. It was getting late, and he was about to go run to the lake. And I just caught one that six pounder, the first one I caught. And he fl I flipped it in the boat, and a boat he was coming. I'm like, oh damn, boat. So I'm just sitting there pretending like I'm just rigging some tackle. And I look up and it's him and I'm like, I hurry up and showed it to him. And of course he did the whole whip around and come back. He's like, what the hell you did that with? I'm like, I just caught it live scope. And he's like, ah, oh, that was a fluke. No way. And he kept on going. And then like, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes later, I caught one almost five doing it. And I sent him a picture and he's like, stay right there. I'm coming. So he come all the way back from the lake to get in there. And uh, he was trying, I was trying to show him and Brad everything. And then Hank came too. And, I was just like, look, like, it's like, there's one, there's one, there's one, like just throw at them. And, um, it, it, you know, it's just, you definitely have to have the live scope for sure. Because the hummingbird one, I couldn't like my eyes were pounding on me when I was trying to look at, it. I couldn't figure it out. It's just cause I'm so used to that screen and it's just a different screen you look at. And I was trying to help Brad with it. And I, I was like, dude, I can't, I can't figure it out. And you can still see them, but, uh, it was all about knowing what fish would want it in which way he was swimming. That's the main deal. You had to throw it in front of him, just like any, I mean, it's pointless to throw behind any fish, but uh, that was one thing I learned too, is that I could figure out which way a fish is swimming and what it is. There were so many gar fish and crappie that, and never big crappie that kind of would get mistaken for bass down there, but I would just point to him and be like, oh, that's a bass, that's a bass, like throw it there and it, it was just a confidence thing, I think, because they, they were trying and trying to figure it out. And they couldn't do it. And they, they went further up the river doing it. And they were like, dude, I can't catch them. I'm like, oh, I just caught like another five. And I'm like, I, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just what I'm doing or if it's just a fluke. And that's where it all started right there. And going to the first day of the tournament, I was just went up there just thinking it was a fluke still. I didn't think anything of it, you know. Wow. Well, it wasn't a fluke. And if it was, it lasted for four days. And I have a feeling that <laughs> it could be the biggest teams. fluke ever as long as <laughs> <laughs> and I have a feeling that there'll never be like we went into Okeechobee thinking this is now here's a derby that's not going to be won with live scope. And I don't think there'll ever be a tournament on Okeechobee again where somebody's not going to be keeping that pattern honest. You know what no, I mean? No. Somebody's not going to be fishing there. They're going to be doing it because I've did it a couple places in Okeechobee. So even if it's the Kissimmee River's fished out, I still think you can still do it in the rim ditch or the canals. Just they're obviously out there. And that's it made me realize a lot about down here where I live too, with the bayous and stuff that you could do the same thing out here. And I still just can't get off the bank down here. It's just crazy that I could do it anywhere else, but I come down here and I'm still flipping the reeds. So, but, uh, 
Yeah, I think just like anything else, just like every other pattern, that's pattern's probably gonna be burnt next time by the time we're there. And uh, Hank said that every every uh, tackle store down there ordered the sold out his baits after that tournament. Oh, really? Yeah, the stunner. Uh, yeah. Th- that uh, one of the things people say about victories is, "We'll wait till that guy wins. When when he wins, when he figures out how to win, look out then." Well, you figured out how to win, and obviously your next event went well. We hear that, but what does that feel like? That, I mean, it's it's a it's a badass feeling, you know. Like when you win, and I just wish it was at the same time. I guess I, I'm glad it was back to back because who knows? I might have went down and got off my little momentum train. So. Um, it was just cool, you know, everybody behind you, all these new people talking this and that, like, oh, wow, he won the first one. Now he's almost about to win the second one. And that's what I kept telling myself, too. I'm like, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I might be able to win the second one, too. Just going into the last day in second place and I had a 25-pound bag. And I was like, I, I think I could honestly catch him again because I left the fish there. And uh, I was like, I just need another 24-pound day. And I think I can maybe pull this one off, too. So it's it's – it was a crazy feeling, and it, I swear I was drinking Red Bull twenty four seven for those two weeks. Like, I think I only drank two that week. Those last two weeks, I normally drink a lot of them, and I was like, "That's how I felt." Like, I just felt like everything was just going. Like, I'm like, "This is like living awesome." Like, everything was going right. It, it's just you don't get that much, and that's why I hope it just keeps going out there. Uh, I'm in Orange right now at Kendall's parents right now. Uh, we had to come drop the dog off, and. Uh, on the way here, I was just watching Bass Live and just watching everything just from last couple of years at Knoxville. And uh, I just started getting that weird knot again in my chest. Like, I'm like, oh, wow, like it's that same little feeling I have again. So I'm like, man, I'd love if it, this little knot stayed there again and something crazy like that happens for the classic. So it may just happen. I mean, it's definitely sets up as a great fishery. Um, I mean, and, and where do you think you are? Like, I mean, before people used to refer to you as, you know, a shallow water guy, but I, I after winning with live scope and at times being in like 22 feet of water, I guess you're not just a shallow water guy. What do you classify yourself as? I'm, I'm more of a shallow. If you could go shallow, well, I say that Okeechobee was shallow, but uh, I'm just fishing the moment, you know, just what's out there and what's in front of me and, if an opportunity comes up and I got live scope on and there's fish out there, I'll try to catch them. And if nothing's working, I'll just get back to what I need to do. I'm just every turn Brock and, and all of them hate about me is they like, they don't know what the hell I'm doing. And sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing just cause it's just different. It's different. Every tournament. I, I just fish uh, like down here. I like, I love the punch. I love the frog. That's my main two deals is punching, flipping and frogging. And, and, uh, now it's, I, I got to say, it's punching and live scoping. Like it, they're neck and neck, you know, a punching bites all, you can't ever beat that punching bite. It's just so fun. And, but now it's just live scopes helped me so much last year and this year already that I have to keep the confidence up in it. It's you just, cause how we talked earlier, just, it gives you that extra fish sometimes and you need that on the elite series. Yeah. It um, one of the coolest things that I don't think everybody gets to see all the time. Everybody knows how tight 
you and Brock are and how tight you and Hank are. You know what I mean? Like that gets talked about a lot, but I don't even know if you got to see like their outward, like I saw Brock before weighing and he was literally vibrating. Like, and he's like, dude, my boy's about to win. Like he, it was so, which to me <laughs> was really cool to see number one, that he's that genuine of a friend. And number two, there's also the part of it where you're like, Brock's had five seconds. Is it going to be hard for him to watch <laughs> Tyler take, a, you know, before him? But, dude, I saw yeah. the look in his eyes, and there was none of that. Um, um, I thought the same thing, too. I was like, going, like, because I didn't even look at Mass Track whenever we uh, entered and everything. And I was like, man, I'm just, I don't want to look. I, I was just a nervous wreck. I'm like, I needed one more fish. I already knew it. I was like, I need one more. I needed like that 20, 20, and 21 range. And uh, going in, and everybody's like, "Oh, good job, good job, man!" I'm like, "I don't know, man." He's like, "Oh yeah, y'all got, you got." I'm like, "I don't know." I'm like, "Stop telling me this!" Like, I'm scared. Like, <laughs> and so, and then I started thinking. I was like, "Man," like I, I was sitting in the I'm like, "Damn, Brock's gonna freaking hate my ass." <laughs> and, and, and I remember Hank already said he's like, "Damn, Tyler's gonna win a damn tournament before Brock does," because and Brock's gonna hate him. Like, no, Brock's freaking—he's one of my best for both of them. Are. They're one of my best friends now, and uh, I'm glad they were both there for it. And I mean, I would be there for them too. And I know, and that's the crazy part is everybody knows Brock will win. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's going to happen, and it ain't gonna just be once, you know. So. Uh, He's saving it up for one, and who knows? It might be in two weeks. Uh, he'd be well deserving for it too. Uh, but at the same time, I still got that knot in my chest, and I want to win it too. So, what are you? Are you like I would feel like if I was in your position? Uh, I don't. I'm trying to put myself in your position, but I, I'm a consummate loser in life, so I haven't put myself a lot in that position. But I would think I'd be like. I'm not changing the brand of toothbrush, toothpaste I use or not. Like I'm doing everything I've been doing these first couple of weeks competition. I need to keep the riding this wave as far yeah. and as long as possible. Is yep. that in your head right now? Oh yeah. I'm already, I, honestly, I've been looking up videos on uh, Fort Loud and Teleco of Sokolay trips or crappie, got, uh, uh, crappie fishing just to see like what they're doing to catch crappie just so I could go out there and catch a Sokolay the first day and, <laughs> kind of getting those getting that same rhythm again i mean it's worked the first two tournaments so you know it's one of those little superstitions where i gotta go catch one now and, uh i think it might mess me up when i go up north and y'all don't really have that many so i might have to target some walleye or something and see if it works like that walleye or perch probably would, would yeah work, right? i think it would work but yeah it's it's uh it's one of those ds where i just Obviously, I can't use the same two jerseys because one's got a tear going down the middle, and then uh, the other one's lost the sleeves on it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I got new jerseys in. Uh, there oh, did different. you? Yeah, Good. yeah. Good. Got some new jerseys. You know, I was going to just get the duct tape going down the middle and to hold it on, but uh, I was able to get new ones, and they look well on stage there, there was, I feel like there was a whole battle going on. Like, I, I feel like not everybody gets to see, but I wasn't even like, it started as a joke and I wasn't even going to bring it up. But while I'm interviewing you, I noticed that there was a little cut there. So I'm like, dude, definitely wants to do this. I'm and I, down. Get, I, I gave you down. a few outs. I gave you a few outs off the mic. I'm like, 
Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I don't want to put you somewhere where you don't want to be. And then I think your mom kind of talks to you. We need pictures. And then, then all I heard was Brock and Hank go, he's not doing it because he can't. And the next thing I knew, you ripped it. Did you even hear those guys say that to you? Or oh, I, I feel like I heard them and I didn't even hear them. Just because I knew they would probably say something about it. And I normally don't back down from something like that. Like I'll try to keep my word with it. So uh, it's all on you. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. It, it usually is. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad it was fun. You know, it's it's something different, you know, for everybody that hated it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Did a lot of people hate it? No, I'm sure. I see comments all over the place of it, and I just kind of laugh at it. Be like, oh, sucks to be you, you know? Uh, it's a victory. People celebrate them in all in their own way. And I, I mean, if you're really... If you really are a person that's out there picking on the way somebody decided to celebrate a victory, yeah. you, you know what I mean? That's like to it's like going to a comedy show and pointing somebody out for laughing too hard. Like really, yeah. I mean, you're you're living life, you're enjoying yourself, and and I may have prodded you into it earlier in the week because <laughs> I grew up watching a lot of Hulk Hogan as a child. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't regret it at all. It's it's fun you know it's it was pretty cool to do it and i honestly was second guess myself too i was like i'm it's gonna suck if i try to rip this thing and i can't even rip it so <laughs> luckily Help i did it <laughs> but yeah that would have sucked but no that was that was, that was pretty cool it, just watching the pictures and looking at the pictures now i'm like wow what a douche <laughs> <laughs> but um, that is that is like 100 not me i'm like nicest guy ever like um Everybody probably sees all like the flexing and shit on TV. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm just me, you know, I'm, you can come talk to me anywhere and I'm just the coolest guy. Like I'm not a, you know, an asshole. So. Yeah, no. And, and I have texts to prove it. And I was joking with you earlier in the week when we were texting, <laughs> I'm like, I looked back through our old text and I was like, you in 21, I was like, Hey dude, you need to flex because I think we took a picture and you, and your arm showed. And then you posted it or whatever. And I was like, I told you, you should have flexed in that picture. And you're like, I will when the time is right or something. Well, you did do it when the time was right. But (laughs) tell me about that tattoo. Because I don't think enough has been made out of, like, I think there was a time in fishing when Mike Iaconelli was doing things and everybody was like, what is the impact of this going to have on the sport? Oh, yeah. And I always said, hey, man, he's... He's inspiring people. He's motivating people. He's we're going to see his impact in the future. And now to have Mike Iaconelli in the field with you competing and you have never give up tattooed on your arm. Why? What was the significance of, other than the obvious of getting that on your arm? And when did you do that? I got it right when I turned 18. Um, Usually not a good it. time to get a tattoo. No, but I made it worth it. Like it was a good one, you know, and my grandma at the time, she was going through a lot of uh, just like uh, she had a stroke and she's got migraines every day. And she was always she could never get out of bed. She was just always the positive person in the family. And it just kind of turned her around. So I got it for her mainly. Wow. And just, and just uh, you know, to kind of remind her that, like, we're in this together. Like, I'll, I won't give up if you don't give up. And so she's still here today. Dick, and, and I mean, sadly, I lost my great grandma right before the season started. So I just threw me in for a loop, but uh, no, I just, it's the, one of my 
favorite tattoos I have. And I mean, it means a lot because one, I never thought I'd be in the elite series where I'm, I got to talk to Ike and Ellie be like, Hey bud, like I got this slogan, uh, slogan <laughs> on your, my arm that you kind of said for the classic. And so, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, getting to talk to him, you know, and he loved it. And yeah, and he, we were in a uh, podcast the other day and uh, he was talking about it. He's like, just about the passing the torch. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't think it's that. I think, I mean, obviously he could still catch them. So I don't want him to pass it. You know, I want him to still fish and it's just cool fishing on side of these guys. And just how, how, like how I was able to shake Steve Kennedy's hand right before the win. Like I was like, holy crap, I've watched this dude my whole life fishing on the elite series, taking a trophy. Like I just shook hand right before I won my first elite series event. So it's cool to be around with Ike and Ellie and all the, the names like Hackney and just, you know, I never got to meet Hackney. We live about an hour and a half away and just, just to talk to him in person. It's just the coolest thing. Like, like all these guys we watched growing up or I watched and um, it's cool. Just, and you know, that, that, just to have the tattoo back to the tattoo. Like I never thought I'd be standing next to Ike and Ellie anywhere. So it's just one of those deals, but now it's just kind of one of the, you know. So when you were 18 years old and you got never give up, put on your arm, you weren't like ever one day I'm going to win a Bassmaster event and it's my arms. Oh going no, up. no. I was working in a shipyard at that time. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, I definitely wasn't going to never give up on that shipyard. That's for sure. That's, that was the one deal I was getting out of, but. I was just in college and starting out my college career and uh, so on. It went, it helped me through college, you know, just one of those deals where I just never quit the sports. So I just kept going. Is that what got you here? The, because there's a lot of pros that come from different acronyms. You know what I mean? There's different, like there's pros who win a bunch in college and stuff, but dude, I, and I don't take this the wrong way. You feel like a straight up louisiana hard work and whatever you want to call you know what i mean like they're yeah, yeah. like the thing that when i think of people from louisiana i think of hard work i think of family values you know what mm -hmm. i mean i think of good yeah. times and good food and, right. and literally you kind of in your whole family you know what i mean it, is is that never giving up is that what's allowed you to become an elite series champion I, oh, definitely. I mean, if you give up, I'd have gave up when it got tough the third day on Okeechobee. And uh, going into it, I thought I was going to wreck them that day, though. But, uh, yeah, it just that one day kind of threw me in for a loop. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to catch them. And you know what? I just stuck with it. I even told Brian, the camera guy, I was like, when I got to keep this jerk bait in my hand and we're going to keep doing it. And uh, So that's what kept me going at it. I just never gave up on it. Huh. How was that different than in the past, though? Like, did it feel different this time? Like, for you to know, like, this is how I'm going to win. If if mm -hmm. I put this down, I'm yeah. I'm fishing for another place. And that that's what Kendall told me too. She was like, honestly, I've never heard you talk like this before. She said, like, you're always just like, eh, you know, eh, it might work, it might work. And I was that week, like, going through the first and second day, I was like, I could win this tournament. Like, I really think I could win this tournament. And Sure enough, like it just worked out that I was able to win. And and normally I'm not like that, you know. I like what like I said, we just go go try to get a check. So yeah, it just this it was that weird feeling in my chest, and it was just that weird knot. 
and even Brad was like, dude, you're going to win. Like when I figured out the tournament, I, I mean, when I figured out the live scope and they would try to show him, he's like, dude, you're going to win. You're going to win doing this. Like he called him and Brock called it before the tournament even started. And I was like, dude, there's no way. And sure enough, that's still crazy. It's crazy just thinking of it. Cause I, I don't get to think of any of this yet until like we start talking about it again. <laughs> so when in the tournament, did you think, I think I'm going to win this. Like at what point, <laughs> not i would love to win this it'd be cool yeah. to win this like but what point did you think man i think i'm gonna win this oh man it was i think <laughs> it was the the second day whenever i had i know it's probably uh hearing this but i had like five or six because I, I was trying to call and i had all my fish on the bottom of the boat and I didn't know which one to call. Like, all my scales were almost the same. I'm, like, looking at them. They were all five and a half, six pounders. And I'm, like, I, I, I told him he took a picture of it, too. I'm, like, how do you call? Like, I was, like, I'm calling a five and a half for a five and three quarter. It's the cra- It was the craziest day of fishing I ever had. And I was, like, dude, like, when I backed off of it, I'm, like, we need a lead because I think I could win. And um, that third day – or the uh, fourth day when I landed that first one in the morning, I said, if we land it, we're going to win. Yeah. And that's the one thing that when you look back at everybody that's came in first or second, them first place guys normally never really lost that key fish through the tournament. The second place guys always like, I had that one or two I lost. And that tournament, I didn't lose a one fish. It was the craziest thing ever. Wow. But then it got quiet after that. Like, I remember on the yeah. final day, like, which I also think is cool. Like, as a fan, I'm like, it was cool that you were tested. Like, if you had gone and blasted 25 pounds in day three, it mm. would have been fun. Sure, yeah. you would have loved it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But I feel like, as a fan, you want to see pros get tested. And you got tested on day three. But then just like when it looked like it was going to be in cruise control on day four, like, you catch a, a big fish to start off the day. Yeah. That, like I, I would as an angler, I'm like, oh boy, now in his head, he's like, I, I've just accepted that I'm gonna win, and that's why I'm not freaking winning anymore because yeah. it yeah. it went for a few hours there, didn't it? Like, yeah, it was it was it was the slowest day I had all all week, and to put a limit in, at least the third day, I was able to catch five, and they were kind of smaller, but it was five, and just to go for four forever, but being able to turn around like I learned so much just watching what I was doing just going back and watching that peak performance and when I literally uh, caught that big one I put it in the boat waiter did everything like I literally went against everything I said about having to get back out there as quick as you can and catch another one while they were fired up I did stuff for probably five six minutes before I even made another cast I'm like, what a dumbass, you know, like I literally probably could have caught another five pounder if I'd have got back out there quick because that's what I was doing all week. Like if you could catch that big one, hurry up, put it in the box, get out there and you'll catch one guarantee almost. And I didn't even do it. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking at that time. You know, I had to, I had to pull the, pull the jacket off and give the old flex out. But, uh, it, it was just, I was pumped up, you know, and then I started thinking about it after the tournament, I seen it. And I'm like, I knew it. Like, I, I screwed up somewhere and that's where it was. I should have got out there, put that fish in the box and hurry up and cast it again. Because I looked when Brian was showing the live scope, it wasn't just that one fish right there that was coming yeah. up. To eight. There was like four of them with it. And if I had just put her in a boat and cast it back out there, I could have caught them because that's how it happened all week. And that's what kind of ended started that dry spell is that after that, they kind of were just 
suspended out there and they didn't go back there for a while. Well, thank God you won because you'd be watching that video a whole different, you know what I mean? Now it's like, yeah. well, I could have done, I could have won better. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I could have, <laughs> even the, th- uh, the second day when I had 29 something, I knew I could have broke 30 pounds, but I was just th- sitting there on that spot and I, I just cast it one more time just to do it. And I caught that six seat and I'm like, all right, well, I just called out a five and a half for that. So I just kind of messed up one fish and I was like, I need to leave it. And I'll sit there and they're just looking they're on the line scope. They're just sitting there like ready. They're just wanting to eat. You know, they were going to eat too. And I'm like, golly, I just need like a little bit more to break 30 pounds. And I said, you know what? Let's leave. Let's leave it alone. Cause I might need that one fish. And sure enough, it might've been that, that six, eight. I caught the first thing the final day. Yeah. Wow. It was wild. And it, it's, it's, it's fr- it's one of the frustrating things about our sport is it's like you it, you can do everything right and still have everything go wrong but you can also do everything wrong and have it go right like i hate i hate yeah. when anglers say on a stage i hate when they give me that well if, if it's my time it's my time but i it truly yeah. it is true and you can't yeah. like which which has got to make it frustrating because like this feeling you're feeling now you want to keep that going forever yeah. Inevitably, yeah. it ends at some point for everybody, you know, whether yeah. it just lays off a little bit or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like you'll, you know, like once you felt it once, like you're just the drive yeah. to to feel it over and over again must be unexplainable. No, oh, it's it's killing me to not just sit at home or to just sit at home right now and not be out there for practicing for the next tournament you know it's like i need to be out there i need to learn something and i need to get out there and i, I want to keep this going like i'm sitting still too long like i want to start running again you know like i gotta i gotta keep going it's it's killing me just sitting here so i'm glad the classics next on this little momentum swing i got right now and hopefully it's just the start of the momentum swing yeah how are you feeling about your shot in the classic regardless of momentum and everything like what's your outlook on that body of water and your style of fishing? Um, well, if we're going to look at that, and uh, one, I'm not a big fan of like just going around, just throwing crankbaits on rocks. Like I used to do that in college a lot, just go down rip rap, just do this and that. And I'm just, uh, rock lakes really never fit me well. Like it was just in my head, but I got past that point now where I don't care if I suck at it. Like I'm going to make myself better at it, you know? just because of this little momentum thing I got going like, I feel like it's a confidence thing that helps me too. And I feel like it'll help me at, at the class as a rock place, even though I think like, you know, I'm not that great at it, but now I got live scope to my advantage that I could use. And then I got just the momentum and the confidence going in this thing that, you know what, I can catch them. And I think, I think I can do pretty good in this tournament. You know, I really think I can. And it's all about just, fishing for this one because you never know this it's a hard place and i love the grinders for sure so it, it, i still don't know i don't know if i'm gonna stick up in loudon or go down in teleco and do a lot of jerking or but i think if i keep that jerk bait in my hand a lot i think i could pull off a top 10 for sure rick clon mentioned it on the show and um we talked about you know what why this is happening for you now and one of the reasons he brought up is he said a lot of times when people get put in bad situations, good comes out of it. Mm-hmm. You lost your title sponsor going into the season. Yeah. 
did any of this good come from that? I mean, as negative as that is, yeah. Um, is any of what we're seeing happen? Is any of that just that extra motivation to be like, man, I, I need to catch him. It is. I, I went, I started the season after they, they told me so late in the year, they told me right before Christmas. And uh, at that point, everybody did their budgets for next year. Yeah. So there was no turning to anybody else to, Hey, Hey, Hey. And, you know, going forward, I thought I was going to be with them for a while. Like they were awesome to work with. They, I mean, they're still a great company. It just, they changed up a lot of their marketing stuff and I was part of that change and uh, it is what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think it kind of fueled me on the inside because I was back in that mindset where, you know what, I need to catch him if I want to make money because I don't have that title deal anymore and I'm on my, own, my I'm my title. <laughs> so I have to catch him if I want to make money and because I got to pay for the next, for that next deposit for the entry, uh, for the elite series. And uh, I think it worked out every, exactly how it was supposed to, just with the win for the first tournament with my logo on the front of my jersey and on my truck and boat. I think it just helped myself out and just bring out the the best of me, you know, and the TR fishing with the with the flexing and everything. It, it just shows who I really am, you know, just my two favorite things. I like I don't I don't go around everywhere just like flexing and everybody going to the supermarket and just be like, get out of here, grandma. Just like <laughs> in my way. Like, you no, know, I just I'm I'm I love a gym, I'm a gym rat, you know, like I love going to the gym. It's just my two happy places, you know, the gym and the fishing. So it's just both of my two things into one. And that's my logo. What is, what does the gym do for you? What, why is it your happy place? It like even fishing all day, like after the uh, practice day or just the tournament day, I'll still go to the gym and uh, it's just, it gets my mind right. You know, like I don't think about the outside stuff, what could happen this and that. I just get out there, put my music in and, jam out and just get in my own head just like you know what you're it's all about like and saying like you can do this you know like it's all keys you know like i get all that negative out of me you know there's no negative like even if i do lose a fish during the day i'm just like yeah you know it's it it, it would have been nice but i don't get down on myself and i think that's one positive thing about me is that i don't get down on myself like i just go with it you know it happens it happens and just keep going have you always been like that or has that been re in recent years? What's that? Like going to the like being positive, like just not letting a lost fish bother you? Like, uh, yeah, like I in college, we all get all boudade and stuff, you know, mad and it just never worked out. Once you start doing that, you just Bo lose. boudade, yeah, boudade, like sad. <laughs> that boudade just means, yeah, sad. boudade, boudade. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, it's. <laughs> So like you just you kind of get mad and just frustrated and then you don't fish right you're fishing fast and just it, it just screws up the rest of your day so I just learned to kind of throw that over me and um you just don't let anything that hat that I can't control bother me just like last year at the St. Lawrence um the third day it was or the second day I'm sorry I didn't make it to the third day um the second day going in out there i about to, I put my boat in the water and then my trawler motor was not working at all. Just the wire, it was rough the first day. And I think I broke something on the way back and I didn't think uh, to even look at it, but I've lost three hours that day, just sitting in that, um, uh, the boat yard, getting it fixed. And it, I mean, that was three hours a waste of time. And my marshal was like, dude, how are you not like pissed off screaming doing this? And I was like, it's, it is what it is, you know, just, you just got to go out there and deal what's dealt to you. And, take it as it comes and go out there and we'll figure out. And sure enough, we left 
I went all the way to Henderson Bay still and was still able to catch 19 pounds and, you know, at 39 something for 61st place. So <laughs> it's remarkable that you talk about being calm and you say you put your tunes on, but then I also know you listen to like the angriest music on earth. Like, you yeah. got, like there's only one type of music I dislike. I literally like everything, but like that really heavy. That's I, I hate that, but that's your jam. Right? <laughs> well, that sucks for you, man. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's like more of the, I mean, half the stuff, like even if you listen to hip hop and stuff and you're like, dude, how, you can't even understand the rock stuff. I'm like, did you ever listen to your little hip hop stuff? Like, I, I don't understand a word they're saying, uh, but it's more of just that pump up feel and just the drums, the guitar, just, just like, I'm not like a full, like straight up scream stuff. Like I do like it a little bit, but I love just the, the pump up. And that's what I was always taught when I was younger. Me and my dad would just jam out going to the deer lease or going fishing. We just, we had the Lincoln Park, Breaking Benjamin, you know, just the old Metallica, just, we were just jamming out always. And now that's just a part of me now. Like I'm, I'm, that's the only music I really like. And everywhere we go, I, I even got Kendall listening to it now. So she loves it. She comes to the concerts. I just booked tickets to the, my next concert already. So. What's your next concert? Uh, well, that's it. It's in May. So I don't know if anything comes up between then, but it's uh, for Seven Dust. Okay. Yeah. They're we'll just. Go, we'll go mo Mohawk or no Mohawk for that one? I don't know, man. I don't know. I might. I might show up to the classic one. Who knows? Come on, dude. Yeah. I would love to, the classic needs a Mohawk. Really? Classic. I mean, if we piss some people off with flexing, flexing and a Mohawk. That's straight. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's straight douche right there that, that, at the same time i don't care <laughs> it is what it is you know uh you did you did have a mohawk for a little while this past off season did you not or was that just that, one yeah. concert no i had it for a little bit i actually kendall gave it to me because i couldn't get my hair cut from the lady i normally go to and she's like oh i'll cut it and i was like all right well let's just have fun with it you know let's just shave the sides and go with a little mohawk going so it might happen again in two weeks or a week oh. Or tomorrow when this airs. Yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Um, oh, I, I, I'd like that to happen. I'd like that to happen. Yeah. I mean, people know. I'm taped these beforehand. Right now, me and Tyler are probably having a drink at the Night of Champions while you guys are listening to this. We are both dotted up. Are you, do you have an ensemble? Do you have an, do you, do you, what, what? What was that? Cassade. It means you're getting drunk. And okay. yeah. Yeah, Agent French, some cassade. Okay, what what do you plan on wearing to the Night of Champions? Uh probably just wearing my tux, and I don't know what else I'm wearing. Depends what Kendall wants. I'm just like, she's like, here, put this on. So that's what I'm gonna wear. Wise man, wise man. Yeah, yeah. Nothing uh, outrageous, you know. Wow. If you have a mohawk, everything else, the mohawk speaks for the Oh, rest. that's true. Yeah, I'm going to have to wear it for that if I have it. Yeah, maybe if oh. she's wearing red dress, you get red mohawk. If green dress, I don't know, maybe just an maybe idea. Like red, oh. white, and blue one or something. America. America. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Dude, I'm so happy to see um, everything that's happening for you number one one of the things that i always cheer for is people that have great families behind them and your family man they have been to to more uh, like I, I the amount of events that they've missed is a lot lot less than the amount of events that they've made i mean they've literally been at 
it feels like every single event to watch their support <laughs> of you. It's awesome, but it's also awesome to see everybody's starting to see the same thing that and and to blow their horn again, toot their horn or whatever you want to call it of Hank and Brock. Like, dude, there's not many pros that go out of their way to like, and I'm talking several years ago, like when your name comes up in conversation, they will stop people and be like, just so you know, he's the real deal. He's not like, it's pretty cool to run with a group of people that care about you that much, but it's really cool to see it starting to happen for you and and the fishing industry starting to notice you know the person that you are and and the angler that you are Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm just i guess here representing just the the fun ones you know just the just it's just how me and my best friend always fish growing up just we were in a boat like even now like we still get in a boat together for little tournaments and we're always just that i think i get more pumped up for those little tournaments when we're fishing because we got each other we're just like pumping each other up Doing some dumb stuff like that. Like just, what? What do you do? What's this friend's name? Uh, Quinn. Quinn. You and Quinn. So you and yeah. Quinn are out. What happens? Pump it. I mean, each we, other up. we a lot of times we just we do good together. Like we win the tournaments, and it's just like a, a feeling, you know. Like we're like we've been best friends since we were kids, and uh, like we ran stuff down there, and it's just fun, you know. Like it's just a fun feeling, even when we just go fun fishing down there. We always having fun. We might have a few drinks and just it's it you're just having fun you know it's just like having fun i mean there's no other way to put it you know we're just out there laughing like pushing people into water who cares like i mean it's just it's it's just always fun with them like we're we're doing the craziest stuff and still catching them and that's why i lived on the elite series i just try to fulfill that you know just still having fun with it you know and the last couple years i was always like i was watching myself on camera and i was just quiet and uh, now, like, I kind of got into that point where I'm like, you know what, like, it's pretty boring just not talking. So they got to have some fun with it. So I'm trying to get better at it. But yeah. When you mean pushing people in the water, just to be clear, you mean like buddies and stuff like that. You're not like just old people walking past and just. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're in the boat. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll be in the boat and stuff. And, uh, no, it's just fun. Like, we've got everybody out there. And we're just little local tournaments. I love that. I fished one a couple of days ago and I got my butt whooped. I got second, but, uh, I got my butt whooped by the guy I looked up to my whole life fishing out here. He's, he was one of the best down here to name Chad Collin And, uh, they, they was one of the guys I learned a lot from just from that old local club. And I just got in the back of their boat when I was younger and just watched what they did. And they brought me and just taught me stuff. So, it's pretty cool going back to the roots and him still coming back and beating me right after I went with my first event. So, and he let me have it too. He, he told me that too. He's, he said, I still got you, but, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's fun. And uh, like back to what you were saying with Brock and my family, it's, uh, I mean, it means so much to me that they're right there at every tournament. And, um, I wish, I wish we could always be top 10, us four, you know, me, Brock, Hank, and Brad. Like, I just always wished for us to always never not miss a cut, you know. I yeah. hate when one of us miss a cut because I feel like like it's just a little negative thing, you know, like somebody might get mad. and But we they've been doing good this year, you know. Like, like Brock and Hank was used to kind of get living stuff and just, like, I just be like, you know what, it is what it is. And, I mean, they're 100%, 180 degrees different this year, and they're just way fun. They're just fun. 
Like we had a little damn ping pong table and Brock didn't make the cut at a uh, Seminole. And the second we got up there and he, we're already starting to play ping pong the second I get back. And so it's just cool that he's, he's, you know, he, and it's going to benefit them more, you know, to not have any of that negative stuff out there. And I mean, it just changes somebody. And I mean, it, like, like I said, I just wish we all would succeed every tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish that we'd have Mohawks in the Bassmaster Classic. I'm just going to leave. It <laughs> That's the next okay. thing you're going to push I'm, over now. <laughs> I mean, I've just, I've, as a man who can't grow a Mohawk, I have an inverted Mohawk. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, if I could, I would grow a Mohawk for the Bassmaster yeah. Classic. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, it's going to be fun, dude. And, uh, and, I, and I can't wait to watch how it goes for you. I can't wait to watch how the rest of the season goes for you. But You've worked your ass off. You deserve everything that's happening for you. Um, yep. And uh, and, I, and I kind of feel like you're just getting started, dude. So I hope so. Let's have some fun. Let's do it. And one last thing is that just what you just said is that, uh, you know, I feel like it's just getting started. I've never won a tournament in my whole college career, everything. Just growing like I've won the locals, but all the big tournaments, I've never won anything. And it was just always that. A lot of people, oh, I didn't win. All the cop, the kids, and it's like, you think you have to win. Well, it's not about winning. You just got to be successful. And that's what I want to tell them. Just, just keep at it and just never give up. You know, get at it. Who cares if you come in second? Do better the next tournament, you know? And you never know. One day it'll pay off for you, just like it did for me. So it definitely paid off. And uh, I thank you for your time and uh, go, go win the Bassmaster Classic. That's what I plan on doing tomorrow or Friday. <laughs> Soon. Soon. <laughs> so there you have it. Tyler Rivette, what a start to a season he is off to. And uh, I wish him luck again this week at the Bassmaster Classic and with all the Elite Series events coming up very, very soon. Thank you for taking the time on Literally the busiest week of the year, but it's the greatest week of the year. It is Bassmaster Classic Week. I hope to see a bunch of you in Knoxville at the Bassmaster Classic. As I said, if you see me, holler out my name. I'll try to get to you. I would love to meet each and every one of you. Um, another person you're going to see down there, and it's somebody who I always profess my love for, Bob Cobb, the amazing Bob Cobb, and everything that he's given to this industry. He starts... One of, every one of these shows and ends every one of these shows. But one of the few events you get to see Bob Cobb at every single year is the Bassmaster Classic. He's using the Bass booth. He's usually selling his books. The Bass Story, Unplugged by Bob Cobb. And he's the only one that can tell it because he was there when it was all being put together. If you're a fan of this sport, if you're buying them this gift for... A, and the coolest thing is Bob will sign it for you right there. Want to talk about an awesome piece of history... But the crazy cool thing is this is one of those gifts that you'll buy for somebody and they'll thank you when they get it. But a few months later, after they've spent some time reading it, they'll thank you again. And even if that person that you're buying it for is you, trust me, this is the gift that keeps on giving. I find myself reading it often when something comes up. Um, and, um, and it's a good way to say thank you to Bob Cobb for being the person that he is. He is a national treasure that should be protected at all costs. And uh, he will be at the Bassmaster Classic. So swing by. Say hello to Bob Cobb in the Bass booth. Tell him um, tell him Dave sent you. Um, and let him know that um, 
You like hearing his voice on the podcast because he starts and finishes every single one of these. I look forward to hanging out with you at the Classic Bob Cobb. I look forward to seeing a bunch of you guys there. Without further ado, take it away, Bob Cobb. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?